Hey folks, it's KJ here. And if you're listening to this and you hear that it's just me, you know that this is a fantastic replay episode with both Bill and I doing an episode that was a blast from the past. Nothing's wrong on our end. We're just taking a week off because we got a bunch of other stuff that we have to do. Thanks so much for listening. Can't wait till we do our next new episode with all of you. Speak with you soon. Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. Oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody out there, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. Volumes 1 through 8 are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook, and also at Audible, volumes 1 through 6, soon to be 7 are available there, as well as iTunes and Amazon. So you get a little plug-and-play action if you want it. (laughs) And also, don't forget about my Exorcist series, The Exorcist's Truth and Lies, The Exorcist's Diabolica, and Full Moon. Be sure to get your creep on and listen to some of that action, my friends. And now, may I welcome my co-host and my brother, KJ Sheehan. Come on in, Kev. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Pretty good. You know, uh, I've been wanting to ask you, and before I forget again, I was thinking, uh, I was actually talking to one of our listeners uh, maybe a month or two ago, and I said to him, you know, I'm going to ask my brother this question because I never have. Now, here's the question, Kev. When you started doing this podcast with me, it's a two-part question. All right. All right. When you started doing this podcast, what was your opinion of the Bigfoot creature? And what is that opinion now? In other words, has it changed? Ah, good question. I'm glad you didn't ask me about the frozen Bigfoot in the garage. (laughs) (laughs) I told you not to tell anybody about that. Yeah, well, you know, we call them pops, as in popsicle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess I remembered when you asked me to start doing this podcast with you, um, I I remember thinking about... the, the Patty film, the Patterson-Gimlin film. I remembered thinking about Leonard Nimoy and his In Search Of program. 
you know, and seeing that and seeing one of the Bigfoot documentaries when I was a kid, you know, uh, less than 12 years old in the local movie theater, you know, when that, that Bigfoot first started to be a, a thing where they were showing movies and stuff about it. And I hadn't thought a lot about it other than, you know, I travel a lot and do a lot of hiking and stuff. And you always come into like the shop, you know, the gift shop in the mountainous areas where there's some giant carved statue of a Bigfoot or something like that, you know. Um, So I guess, you know, I, I thought about it, thought it definitely could be a thing, you know, never saw one myself, wasn't really wishing to see one either. You know, honestly, (laughs) haven't seen grizzlies and stuff like that. That's enough for me up close, Uh Um, let alone something with posable thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then at at that at that time, though. So had you made a decision at that time that this thing was real or you were neither here nor there? I was probably neither here nor there. But, you know, I'm a I'm the scientific guy, as you know, Bill, and. You know, studied a lot of science in my life and just kind of a a student of technology and science. So to me, it's like anything's possible, you know, in that there could certainly be a species out there in these rural places that there's not a lot of them and we just don't have proof of them. Right, right. You know, so So your opinion, your opinion now, has it changed? I mean, it sounds like you're pretty much where you were. Yeah, I think I'm where I was. I mean, I think I've seen a lot of hoaxy things, you know, as I do my investigations every week, but I knew there was hoaxy things before. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. I do see a lot of really cool stuff and you hear these testimonials of law enforcement people and stuff like that and you know, um um, senators, you know, former senators and stuff like that, and not the crazy ones, but seeming like normal ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. are that are uh, saying they've seen them. So it's kind of like I think people really are seeing something out there, and it's hard to believe that everyone, especially these outdoors people, are mistaking like a bear for a Bigfoot creature. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, I mean, sometimes, once in a while, yeah, low percentage, yes. Could it be, you know, could it be a mistaken creature? But there's enough of these that are, you know, flat out, you know, in the open with no alcohol or drugs involved. And, you know, they're like, this thing was standing right in front of me. Yeah, well, how about some of these reports uh, I'm reading here on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it's like... It's like freaking mayhem and uh, yeah. fear factor to the 10th power. Yeah, and then I'm fascinated, as you know, Bill, with how far the history goes back, the written history of this beast. Yeah. You know, like, that's pretty interesting. And uh, totems, you know, where you, the totems of the uh, First Nations people you see out west with, like, a carving of something that looks like the hairy man when... You know, they don't have anything other that I know of that's fake carved into the totem. Exactly. Yeah, so I see stuff like that, uh, you know, and I have a lot of respect for, you know, what the folks in the First Nations believe they saw, you know. Well, and what their forefathers and ancestors exactly. uh, saw. And, and again, going back to the the print, you know, the, the newsprint back in, you know, 100 years ago. Yeah, and that where, you know, people didn't really have a lot to gain by reporting this stuff. They had everything to lose. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, and when you talk about the uh, Native American people, like you and I, Kev, who could we talk to about our history? Yeah. I mean, think think about that for a minute. We had our grandparents. Uh, before that, uh, other than a little investigation that was done uh, saying that uh, some of grandma's relatives went back to the first Viking kings of Norway, I, 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 we don't have a tremendous amount of material handed down uh, reliably, generationally, that we sit around a table and and make sure we've got it right to pass it on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was, like many folks, that wasn't part of our culture. You know, it wasn't part of our upbringing. I wish it was. I mean, you know, right, like just so our listeners know, you know, we investigated, uh, you know, grandma's relatives, the Vikings, just because we found that each of us were wearing, you know, this hat with horns on it every Sunday (laughs) night. I don't know why I wanted to put it on. I needed I don't know. to know. And then you told me you were wearing one every Sunday night. I was living <laughs> a long way away. I was wearing one. Obviously, and you know, there's something going on. I never told you this, Kev, but <laughs> sometimes early in the morning, I like to get up and put an edge on my battle axe. <laughs> I, I don't know what that's all about. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's not even dull, but you got to put an edge on it. <laughs> yeah, I got to make sure it's ready. That. I can relate to that. Now, listen, I got to tell you something. Uh, You know, for a long time, I don't know why things just happen the way they do. For a long time, I was trying to hunt down uh, Les Stroud's Survivor Man Bigfoot series. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, it's just not available. I can't get it. And then one day I went on his website, like uh, maybe four weeks ago. And there it is. And I bought it from him, and uh, it's three DVDs, the Survivor Man Bigfoot series. Uh, God, I wish he would do this again. Man, this stuff is fantastic. Him and uh, a good part of it, he's with uh, Todd Standing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he shares, he's got some clips in there of when he was doing uh, non-Survivor Man Bigfoot stuff. And he had heard some things. Uh, there's one clip where he's like on a uh, a river bank, uh, hacking away at some uh, branches or boughs. It looks like he's trying to put together a shelter. And he comments how if you look at the picture, he keeps looking back over his shoulder, turning his head away suddenly. And he was hearing something like barreling through the woods uh, behind him uh, while he was making, I guess, the Survivor Man show. And uh, him and Todd Standing, I mean, they're going through this area up in uh, northern Canada, uh, coming across some stuff, apples getting taken, uh, and they're in the middle of nowhere. Right. And uh, it seems like Todd pretty much led him into this area, uh, being the main the main focus of him saying, like, this is where they are, this is where I find them, this is where I've taken the pictures. Right. Uh, just to, I encourage anybody to go out there and get Les Straub's uh, Survivor Man Bigfoot DVDs and give them another look two or three or four or ten times because they're incredible. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, t- uh, Todd, if you're out there, Les, if you're out there, I'd love to talk to both of you guys uh, at length if you have the time. And uh, contact me via the contact link on our page, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. 
and uh, I'd love to talk to you guys. So I think what you're doing is great, and what you've done is great. So kudos to both of you. And you know, Bill, Christmas is coming, and I still don't have that autographed copy of one of your books, and I don't have the Survivor Man Bigfoot DVD series. Wow, this is amazing. You know, and it just so happens that I just sent an autographed book out to one of our listeners in Canada. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, Jonathan, your book is on the way. I mailed it today. All right. So he's he's up in uh, Alberta. Uh, I'm standing there at the post office counter, and the lady's looking at the address, and I'm like, yeah, it's like a 10-digit number on the street. <laughs> it says next got, to next to Santa's workshop in parentheses. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the street number and I'm saying, where did they come up with this number? Now, look, he could live in uh, an area with five million people, for all I know. But I'm thinking about Alberta, and how the heck do you come up with a nine or a ten-digit street number? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big street. It's a big street. <laughs> so, bro, what do you got today? Yeah, we're going to go back in time to uh, 1964, 1965 in the state of Michigan. And we're going to look at a couple of Bigfoot hairy man sightings. You know, this this week in uh, cryptids and other oddities, we're going to talk about the hairy man. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like a little hair in your food. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not sure about that, but okay. <laughs> it's a Viking heritage. You know, if it's still yeah. on the skin and you pick up the leg of the beast and bite it. There you go. That's right. <laughs> All right. All right. So the first sighting we're going to talk briefly about. We're going to talk about both of them briefly and then the surrounding area and some modern more modern day stuff that people have seen so but all in the same area and the first one is in may and june of 1964 so like 56 years ago in an area called sister lakes michigan okay and sister lakes like if you think of uh michigan the state of michigan is kind of like a a left-handed mitten Right? Right, right. And Sister Lakes is over by the base of where your pinky would be on your left hand, uh, pretty close to the shore of Lake Michigan. Okay. Okay. And um, there were many reports over this two-month period of an eight- to nine-foot-tall Bigfoot, they called it, seen by Mr. and Mrs. John Utrup. Gordon Brown, Joyce Smith, Patsy and Gail Clayton, and several others. So in the area, so a lot of recorded sightings of uh, of this beast with all a very common description. Okay. Yeah, and when you look at the sketches of this beast, um, it kind of looks like this, uh, you know, tall thing with no neck and a head. And kind of V-shaped, right, from the shoulders down. Typical thing we see. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, and uh, the authors that write about it say, too, that it looks a lot like uh, the Missouri Monster or uh, Momo, you know, who we did a story on a while back. Like some of the sketches of Momo look a lot like, you know, what some call the Michigan Monster. 
Well, no doubt. I mean, they're probably prevalent in the area. Yeah, and, you know, Michigan, I think the last time we talked about it, we were talking about the the evil dog man. You know, there's a lot of dog man sightings in Michigan, but there's some uh, Bigfoot sightings as well. Yeah, there's no doubt the place is rife with uh, stuff. And someday, you know, I keep picking up my story, the Michigan Upper Peninsula account. Yeah. Uh, but that read, because I remember doing it for Audible, the read is about 30 minutes. Right. So, I mean, someday I'm going to pick it up and we'll do it. But that is an incredible encounter. Yeah, is that the very, one, the guy with the, like, the big monster truck kind of thing? That's correct. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's correct. Yeah, that's a so, uh, Yeah, and it's so detailed. I mean, uh, that was the first account I ever put down on paper. Okay. And uh, I was really going a little crazy then with the details and the da 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 and it turned out to be uh, uh, a lot. And that's why that one book is so thick compared to the others. It actually became a bigger book than I wanted it to be. Right. Uh, but because I was new to doing the accounts and everything, I didn't know how it was going to fall out sure. uh, when my girl Casey was done formatting the book. Right. So there you go. But not to interrupt you. Go no, ahead, it's go. all good. So, you know, those sightings took place over a two-month period in 64. And then quite a famous uh, incident happened in Monroe, Michigan. And Monroe, so I talked about um, the fact that Sister Lakes is down by the base of the pinky of the left-handed mitten that looks like the state of Michigan. Um, uh, Monroe, Michigan is kind of directly east about 200 miles or so, and it's okay. on kind of the western edge of Lake Erie. So if All you right. drew a straight line across that mitten, that's where Monroe is. And these sightings in Monroe were about a year later. August 1365 is one of them. And it's a pretty famous story. You probably know, Bill, about Christine Van Acker and her mother. Uh, and her mother's name was Mrs. Ruth Owens. Um, this is the one where their car stalled, and this Bigfoot came up to the vehicle, seven or eight feet tall, black, long hair, and it reached inside the car, inside the driver's side of the car, and wow. uh, it gave um, um, Christine Van Acker, uh, who was a young lady at the time, I think she was 17 or 18 years old, uh, a black eye and like a, a big scrape on the side of her face. And what did it do? Like forearm or well, something? Apparently, so in some of the accounts, it says that her car, like they saw this Bigfoot, tried to stop, the car brushed against the side of the Bigfoot and stalled and wouldn't start. And oh, then the boy. Bigfoot kind of reached in through the window and uh, she ended up getting a black eye from it. And they they posted pictures of her bruised face uh, and some artist drawings of the hairy, hairy uh, faceless beast uh, throughout some of the mag- some of the newspapers across the country at that time in 1965. Wow. Yeah, and I'll put up her picture. You know, she looks at not to insult uh, uh, the Van Acker family or any of her relatives, and this isn't meant to be an insult, but she looks like uh, Marilyn from the, Mon- from the Monsters. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, like just a, you know, beautiful blonde. Uh-huh. Um, apparently got this black eye and uh, scraped face from a Bigfoot. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, can you picture that going down? 
And and again, Kev, think about that time frame and what media was like back then. Uh, well, you were just a, a baby. Yeah. But uh, there was nothing like the the sort of we have today. There was no way for them to do this as a publicity stunt. No reason. No reason to. I mean, that's yeah. the most interesting thing. You know, you weren't trying to get a bunch of views on your YouTube page, you know, so that you could get sponsorship money. You weren't running a TV show where you wanted to get renewed for another season or whatever it is. You know, there wasn't that kind of a thing. Right, right. Or trying to get people to come to your town, you know, as a tourist place. Like, that wasn't it. There was nothing like yeah. that. Yeah. And there were, who knows what kind of Bigfoot aficionados were around back then. We don't even know of any, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so interesting, this is, you know, they had other sightings around that same time as well in 1965, all around Monroe, all similar descriptions as well. But the, the most famous one is uh, around uh, uh, Miss Van Acker. Now, Kev, what happened with them? What was the outcome of this stalled vehicle and the Bigfoot reaching into the car? Well, they filed a police report, and then uh, a bunch of people came out kind of like, you know, uh, hunting for the monster like we often hear, right? You know, mm-hmm. so kind of the uh, the vigilantes of sort coming yeah. out to hunt down the monster, and uh, they never found anything. Now, did they just say this thing reached in the car and just then just left and the car restarted? Yeah, what, so what the, happened? The, the, uh, in, in one of the articles, this one came from, I think, the Detroit News, uh, the driver's mother's in the car, and she says she sees this huge hairy hand come in the window, and, wow. uh, and the girl's face was slammed against a doorpost, knocked wow. her unconscious. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. So this thing came in, reached in forcefully. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, oh. another one of the re- reports says that, uh, oh, you're going to love this, Bill. It had piercing red eyes. Wow, there you go. Yeah. And that it also shook the car. I mean, look, I could shake a car, right? But I'm just thinking yeah. of something like that shaking a car, and it's like a freaking carnival ride. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With no seatbelts on back then. Nobody wore a seatbelt back then. No, no, not at all. You'd probably get slammed left and right in the front seat while this thing's uh, smashing the car back and forth, rocking exactly. it, you know. Wow, can you imagine? I can women- imagine in the dark, almost hitting, uh, you know, a big hairy creature and then having a big hairy creature reach into the car. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever hit, hit a deer, Bill, but I hit a deer, and that was scary. Like, you know, I was yeah. like, what the heck? You know, yeah, just totally scary, and it's not a Bigfoot, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, Jeez. I mean, wow. All right, wow. so now we're going to go ahead in time, and these, these accounts come from the Mis- Michigan Sasquatch Project. Okay. And we go ahead to 2001. This is pretty cool. So a couple of different accounts. This is also in Monroe County, so the same place. Okay. And uh, in this in this account, um, let's see here. We have a detailed description where the person writing the description said that they were tent camping in the woods when they heard a noise in the bed of their pickup truck. 
right? So they're outside of the truck. They hear a noise. They said, we grabbed some big sticks. Apparently, they weren't packing more gun than they should. <laughs> so they grabbed some first, sticks, maybe a yeah, sharp first stick, mistake, fellas. Yeah, and moved slowly toward the truck. They, uh, sh- they shined a flashlight at the truck, and apparently they startled the creature. And it, it threw a cooler out of the back of the truck and howled, standing wow. up. And they said its full height was seven or eight feet. It grabbed some food in its hands, and it ran out of the back of the truck. So it jumped out of the back of the truck and ran away. Jeez. Super wooded area. And they said that there was a lot of uh, berry bushes around. And uh, it had shaggy, long brown hair. Large ape-like appearance, large muscles, and uh, teeth that were similar to a human's, but much sharper. Wow. Yeah. You know, can you picture this thing standing up in the back of this pickup truck bed howling? No. (laughs) And you're you're standing there with sticks? I mean, give me a break, man. I'd be running faster than the guy I was with. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Just make sure you're faster than the other guy exactly. and you'll live. Maybe not faster than the hairy man, but faster than the guy I'm with. Yeah. <laughs> Stop or I'll hit you with this stick. And we have another account here. This one's in May of 2008, so about seven years later. And uh, this is the uh, same area near the Wayne County and Monroe County border. And they say that they saw a large creature... In the woods, peeking through the brush, uh, right near the swamp and behind some trees. And it was throwing some rocks as well out of the woods. This was in uh, 2001? No, this the first one was 2001 in the pickup truck. And this okay. one was in 2008, May okay, 14th. Okay, so these are fairly recent. Yeah, yeah uh, these are modern day, I'd call them. Yeah. All in the same area, this Monroe County. Same area, yeah. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So what happened with these guys with the rocks thrown and whatnot? That's the end of the report. So Wow. But, you it know, just, I, I looked into this this week, Bill, because it's kind of like I always hear, like when I'm here and see, well, don't forget, like people write about, don't forget the Monroe County incident in Michigan. I was like, okay, let's look into this. It's been on my list, and uh, and I always see this picture of this beautiful blonde woman, you know, that was supposedly attacked by a Bigfoot. So that that's what we're talking about this week. Yeah, no, that's really interesting, you know. Yeah, and uh, fu- funny you mention uh, Marilyn from the monsters. <laughs> you remember Lillian Herman used to always say, "Poor Marilyn, <laughs> she's so hideous." She's so hidden. Nobody's going to take her on as a wife, you know. And then the the date would show up. He looked like Prince Charming. Yeah. Uh, and she was always apologetic. And they'd end up freaking out and running out of the house and diving over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Exactly. What a f- they don't make him like they used exactly. to. Exactly. Herman would come to the door. and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Fred Gwynn, man. <laughs> that guy was something else, man, with that makeup on. Oh, my goodness. He's pretty yeah, scary you know, so without it's interesting. makeup, for the record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a lovely shade of green. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the uh, there's a lineage 
in that area of uh, Michigan with the sighting of the Bigfoot creature going on for like 20 years, more than 20 years with just those couple of accounts. Well, 50, 55 years, yeah. Well, you went from uh, 65, 66. 64 was the first one, 65, and then 2001 and 2008. Oh, yeah, so there you go. I mean, just on the ones that I picked up on, you know. Yeah, that's a long time, man, and it's apparently not going anywhere soon. No, and it's interesting, too, because these sightings are all on the southern end of Michigan, you know, where it's it's certainly much more populated than you were talking about the Upper Peninsula and, uh, you know, further up north, where Michigan is super rural. Yeah, yeah, and I worked with a nurse uh, that somehow found a way to Long Island, Mm. And uh, she had lived in that area in the Michigan Upper Peninsula. And she's still trying to find her way back? (laughs) Yeah. She left there because of Bigfoot attacks on the village. Mm, That'll do it. (laughs) The man was looking in her second-story window. Yeah. But, you know, uh, she confirmed uh, to me that uh, it is true that it is really, even to this day, a very sparsely uh, populated area uh, in many locations. There aren't many houses around and some dirt roads and, you know, just like you would envision it, you know, riding around, not seeing too much of anybody or anything. Yeah, especially up north there. It's it's pretty darn rural. It's beautiful, by the way, too. Along the coast, the yeah. lakes there are spectacular, yeah. all the lighthouses and stuff. Yeah. You know, you'd think you're on the coast of Maine or something like that, or coast of Oregon, but... Yeah, um, exactly. You're, you're up there in Michigan. Well, that was interesting, man. You know, and I'm always interested in the uh, the Bigfoot accounts um, that are still being seen, you know. And people say, you know... Uh, again, you know, where's the terror? Well, how would you like to be sitting in a broken down car in the dark and have a freaking forearm with a 40 inch circumference come through the window and bop <laughs> you in the face? Can you imagine that? No. <laughs> you know, and you're smashed against the doorpost and the car starts rocking around and everything's falling off the dashboard, you know? Yeah. Two, two women, a 17 year old and a mother. Exactly. Wow. You know, that night. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I mean, jeez. I mean, I, can't, I I just can't even fathom that event happening to me. No, no, I can't, you know. Wow, man. You would empty, well, you would empty a couple of clips, Bill. Yeah. What are you afraid of? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Got a problem with that? Exactly. But a bingo. Start start ratcheting the pump. <laughs> oh, by the way, Kev, I sent you out that picture that Duel sent us. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, maybe we could post that. Yeah, I'll I put it up on the website it. with this episode. So, folks, what I'm looking at here is a picture of like uh, I don't know, Kev. What would you say he was like a, a little Asian guy? Yeah, he could be American. I don't know. You think so? Yeah, I don't know. He's like a little guy. Looks like a little guy. Yeah, and he's wrapped in bandoliers of what appears to be thirty caliber machine gun ammunition. Yeah, belted ammo that starts out as a hat. 
kind of yeah. like a turban wrapped around his head. Exactly. And then it's around his neck and around shoulder to shoulder so that it's basically his clothing. Right. Right. You can't see any of his other clothing except for these belts of right. ammo. He's just consumed in ammunition. Yeah. And then on the bottom, on the top it says, Gun Guru says. <laughs> and then on the bottom, I guess this is what Gun Guru says. There's no such thing as too much ammo. <laughs> and then below that it says, unless you're swimming or on fire. Oh, that's right. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, you wouldn't want all that ammo on you if you were swimming across a lake. <laughs> oh, that's man, awesome. I love I this I forgot stuff. about the saying at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that stuff is too awesome. much, man. Gun guru. Well, now let's uh, slide away from Gun Guru for a minute. And I got something here today that's just going to creep you out. Oh, I'm ready for some creep. Yeah, well, you're going to get it here, bro, (laughs) because this is one of the... uh, I'll just give you a little heads up. Nothing creeps me out more than, like, Dog Man. (laughs) And uh, the Wolf Man. Uh... And that's what we're going to be getting into here. This this account was told to me by uh, Robert Etheridge, a resident of the state of Arkansas. And this is what Robert had to say about his rather chilling sighting in June of 2016. It was on June 13th of 2016 that I was making my way through the forest doing a little small game hunting. I was toting my 12-gauge side-by-side and hoping to run across some rabbits, but more or less I was just out for a stroll, as is my custom. Now, I must tell you, Bill, as I begin, that I spend hundreds, if not thousands, of hours in the woods. I am very familiar with everything and anything that makes these woods its home, which is to say, until this day. I was taking the high line, walking along the edge of a heavily wooded ravine, being about 50 foot below the ridge line as I walked. The ravine itself descended some 200 feet or so below me, and was so heavily covered in trees and low brush that from my position, it would seem virtually impassable for man or beast. I was was myself following a game trail that I knew would bring me out on the other side, having been through here before. I didn't know then, but I do now, why suddenly I had the most unnerving feeling that I was being watched. We've all had this feeling, but this was different. I felt in such a way that imminent danger was approaching me or nearby. That's the only way I can describe it to you. As I began to look around trying to shake the feeling that had come over me, I suddenly noticed a patch of bright white below me in the undergrowth, which was as white as a bleached men's undershirt. 
Typically, when I'm in the woods, white color is usually acquainted with a deer's tail or the breast of a hawk or an owl. But this was much brighter and too large to be any of them. As I was staring at this white color in the brush, which was easily 200 feet or more away from me down within the side of the ravine, I was now able to make out a figure that I previously didn't realize was holding the white object. Its coloration somewhat blending in with the surrounding bushes. Keep in mind that at this point, what I was seeing was maybe an inch tall at the distance I was looking and with the naked eye. I set my shotgun down momentarily and pulling out my field glasses zeroed in on what was before me. I now had in focus a tall wolf-like creature that was holding in its clutches a pure white cat and I could see it clearly. The creature was standing in brush up to its waist, being surrounded on both sides and at its back with scrubby trees, and it was now staring directly at me as I was at it. Its head was that of a wolf or an Alaskan husky dog. The snout was long and tapered, and I could actually see its fang teeth protruding from its jowls. It had triangular-shaped ears that were pointing straight up, and long but muscular arms were hanging from its sides. This wolf man was standing perfectly still on two legs, just like a human being, and it was clutching a white, apparently feral cat in its hands. I could, make, I could make out what were long finger-like appendages which were tipped with black hawk-like talons with the cat's fur being bloodied in a number of spots. This creature was staring directly at me and I almost couldn't stand looking at it through the lenses. It was almost upsetting me in some dark and foreboding kind of way. The upper torso, which I could plainly see, was lean and muscular, being covered with a sparse amount of hair or fur through which I could see its skin, while the head was completely covered in fur like that of a wolf or any type of canine. Based on the surrounding brush's height throughout the ravine, I estimated its height as being some seven feet. And this thing didn't so much as blink for 10 minutes or more. Suddenly the cat wriggled violently, as if with one final gasp it was trying to free itself from the monster's claws. As I watched, the beast tightened its grasp and the struggle was over. I took my shotgun in hand and backtracked out of the woods. The entire time as though feeling as though I was being followed by this creature. Having now seen this wolf man, I've never returned into this area of the woods again. My feelings being now that this creature could have torn me limb from limb had it been given the chance to do so. 
And the feeling that I had while we were staring at each, staring each other down was that of pure and unadulterated evil. This thing was a demon from the pit of hell. Whoa. What do you think of that, Kim? Yeah, that's a creepy dogman encounter if I've ever heard one. Yeah, I mean, you know, simple and to the point. Guy out there again in the woods, sees something, eyes are trained, drawn to the white color, can't quite figure out what's going on. Then he pulls out his glasses and really gets a bead on this thing. And the creepiest part about this to me is not only seeing something like this, but the fact that he says this thing didn't even so much as blink while he was staring it down with his field glasses. Yeah, that, and could you imagine, I mean, it's hard, you can't imagine, but standing there looking at it with your binoculars and seeing this thing standing up, you know, this wolf-like thing standing up holding this bobcat or whatever it was. Yeah, and... Uh, he said he thought it was a feral cat. Feral cat it looked like whatever. a yeah. yeah. He looked like it was a wild white cat. But anyway, this thing standing up, looking at you, and you're thinking like, "Holy crap!" Like, I mean, you can't outrun that thing. Yeah, no, no, especially. Uh, and he said the brush didn't look like anything could even manage no, to walk he through it. A, other he than, had a twelve gate side by side. I want more than that. Yeah. But you know, Kevin, you know what this reminded me of when I was thinking about him looking through these uh, binoculars and being basically eye to eye with this creature now? It reminded me of the black eyed children staring through the video camera at the building. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Everything's okay. We just want to yeah. come in and use your phone. Yeah. <laughs> And this thing is just staring at him like it knew it was looking at it. You know what I mean? Well, don't forget, that, these uh, wild animals, they have better vision than we do. You know, and they could pick us off at a distance and say like, oh, okay, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, no yeah, doubt about it. And they smell. Still. Like they smell you first a lot of times, or they hear you with those big pointy dog man ears. Um, but then their vision is usually pretty good, too, picking you out, especially if you're moving a little bit. Yeah, and it makes you wonder why this thing was standing its ground rather than ditching behind the bushes knowing the guy was coming. Yeah, maybe it was going to trade in the feral cat for a little bigger meal. Yeah. Yeah, what about that kind of action? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that freaking dog man, he was calling it a wolf man. Yeah, it's a dog man, if you ask me. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, you know. But and he did, uh, he did somehow mention that it was pure evil from the depths of hell, right? Yeah, I mean, how many people have said that? This feeling of dread. Yeah, that's dog. Uh, that's dog man all the way. Yeah. Now, look, folks. When I'm writing these things, I'm not taking account an account from Kevin and just printing it in, in the book. Your, the writing and the verbiage is my rendition of the story. Uh, so I write all of these stories, just like when people give me an account over the phone, some of them are a little bit all over the place and up and down and in and out. And then I try to kind of even everything out and, and, uh, and give the story some continuity, you know, connect the dots. Take out and, some of the foul language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bring it, bring it kind of into, uh, 
a story rather than like a, a, a run-on sentence, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I do use some of the same terminology, but based on uh, on what is said, you know, the feeling of dread, you know, yeah. uh, imminent danger. Uh, you know, when when people continually tell you that, you know, I thought I could lose my life that day. Yeah. Uh, that's how scared I was. That's how badly I felt. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it takes a lot, right, Kev? You got a gun in your hand and you still, th- still think you were in imminent danger. Well, yeah, but you got a side-by-side 12-gauge and this beast is a long way away. You know, you're not trying to bust a clay pigeon like this thing. <laughs> yeah, no. This thing's a nasty. I mean, it'd be good if it got close. Like, I'd, be, I'd rather have it than not have it. But yeah. uh, I'd be saving it until it got real close where I could blow its head off. If you had a chance. Yeah, if I had a chance. You know, it reminds me of Alien. Remember Alien when that thing was going through the uh, air conditioning ducts and everything? Yeah. The control room was saying, he's coming your way. Coming your way. Whipping along Yeah, he's in the room, and they were looking around. and then tail slamming back and forth. Yeah. Uh, You know, really, uh, when you're in something else's environment, it's like uh, uh, during um, uh, Shark Week. (laughs) A couple of years ago, they were down in Australia with some of these uh, uh, guys diving for uh, shellfish. Not shellfish. Uh, what are those? Uh, 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 not clams. Uh, like the abalo- not- abalone? Abalone. Yeah. Thank you, Abal. The abalone divers yeah. were, they get in this rough, nasty water right near the coastline where apparently these abalone really thrive. Yeah, and they're usually, I know when they dive for them off the west coast of the U.S., they're in those kelp fields, which is like... Exactly. Yeah, whoa. The perfect freaking haven to get <laughs> ambushed. And one of these guys on the show, you you were talking to, talk, talking to, he was talking to you on camera and then the next thing you know, he got killed by two great whites. Uh, and he had been talking about, like, maybe this being his last season and he was going to retire oh, yeah. and uh, this and that. And the next thing you know, the guy up in the boat uh, saw him get killed by two great whites. Holy cow. And, you know, just it should be a lesson to all of us. Like this guy in the woods with this wolf man, dog man. You're in their environment. You don't know how fast this thing can get from point A to point B, what it's willing to do or not to do. And by the time you realize what's going on, it may already be too late. Yeah, I mean, you bring Bill, you bring up a good example. It's not dissimilar to, like, being out in the ocean swimming and a great white coming after you. You know, you, you, you're in their environment. You know, you can't yeah. see them as well as they can see you. You can't sense them really until they touch you or you're lucky enough to see them. And the same right. kind of thing when you're out in the wild, whether it be a grizzly bear, you know, dog man, hairy man, yowie, whatever it is, yeah. You're, yeah. you're in their environment. You know, maybe you feel a little more secure because you're on land and, Leo, land is your environment compared to being in the ocean. I'll give you that. But when you're out in the brush, you're in their environment. You know, even if you spend, like the like this person said, they spend hundreds if not thousands of hours out there. It's not the same as them living out there, the creature you're going yeah. after. 
Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. they know it in and out, like you know the corners yeah. of your house. I mean, you know, Bill, I love swimming in the ocean, um, and but I'm respectful of the big gray uh, things with teeth. You know, like I never <laughs> go swimming in the ocean in the morning or at dinner time because, and you know it as a fisherman, like. There's a lot of eating going on. <laughs> yeah. And Prime I know time. here in North Carolina, like most of the shark attacks are in the early evening, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, you know, and, and yep. yet when I'm out at the coast, there's always a bunch of people in the water swimming when the sun's going down. And, you know, even my kids that are grownups now, when we see it together, they're like, Dad, you know what that is? I'm like, yeah, shark food, because that's what we taught them growing up, you know. Yeah. You don't yeah. go in the water absolutely. then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when I fish popping plugs, uh, I always say there's about that 40 or 45-minute window at sunset. Yeah. Uh, when the surface of the water turns like uh, gray ice. Yeah. And uh, that's, to me, like the witching hour for the popping plug. There's something about that. Uh, light setting and the appearance of the water where the, the fish, if they're going to strike, they're going to strike yeah, at that yeah. moment. And, you know, like out by us here, we have a lot of dolphin along the coast. And if you go out in the morning or you go out in the evening, as long as it's not super rough, you will always see multiple pods of dolphin. And it's that's when they're eating, like everybody yeah. else is eating. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's cool, cool stuff. Anyway, so there you have it. That was an incredible it's account. It's a great yeah. account, yeah. Creepy. So uh, what do we got today from our uh, listeners? Yeah, we got some good listener mail, as usual. Uh, the first one comes in from Roland. And Roland uh, says, boys. I think that's us, Bill. I guess he so. He says, wow, I just can't get enough of the podcast. I listen to your episodes on Spotify, and I've been trying to find a way to rate your podcast on there, but apparently there is no way to do it. I hear you guys mention to rate you, but I've not been able to. And he, huh. Yeah, and I wrote Roland a note today. So, Roland, you got an email in your inbox uh, you know, before you hear this podcast. And I did check out Spotify, and indeed, Spotify does not have a way to rate the quality of a podcast. So wow. they say they're going to add it, but they don't have it now. So you're not doing anything wrong, Roland. We appreciate you trying to give us a five-star rating. Uh, but they just don't have that feature, which is kind of hard to believe. It is hard to believe. I mean, you're in the business. People have to rate well, what they're hearing, right? it just right? makes it better. It's like Yelp. You know, if you go to a restaurant, you know, give it a, give it a good review or give it a bad review if you hate it. You know, don't give us yeah. a bad review, of course, but restaurants are okay. <laughs> But then Roland goes on and he says, uh, I began my belief in the big guy back in the 70s when I was watching In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. And I was hooked then. Me too, Roland. And then he says, I followed it on and off for many, many years and would have swore that by our times we would have gotten this peg, but the big guys in the reigning hide-and-seek champion." Yeah. Anyway, I'm in complete love with your podcast. Can't wait to hear the new one every week. The camaraderie that you both have is incredible and makes this podcast very enjoyable. 
Keep up the good work, guys, and hope to continue listening to you guys for many years to come. We hope so, too, Roland. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah good. good guy, Roland. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and again, it's just nice to hear from people. Yeah, and I didn't uh, know that, that Spotify didn't have a way to rate. Like, when I first read the note, Bill, you know, I was like, of course, it's got to have a way. Let me go figure it out and let Roland know. And then I looked, and I was like, what the heck? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it is crazy. All right, Bill. Uh, now, so, uh, oh, go ahead. Did, no, I was just going to say, did did you advise him to use something else? I mean, is there another way he can get us? I, I don't know what kind of platform he has, so I didn't ask. You know, I'm happy he's okay. listening. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't else, know anything somebody about Somebody else it. out there is going to leave us two five-star reviews to make up for Roland. I'm confident. <laughs> Tonight they are. <laughs> All right, Bill, so this next letter... I got good news and bad news. All right. Let me have the bad news first. Okay. It's about pronunciation. All right. Now let me have the good news. It didn't come from a witch. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe somebody would criticize my pronunciation. (laughs) He He says, hey, guys, love the podcast, and I've been listening since the beginning. You guys are only getting better. I guess that's good news, Bill. (laughs) I guess it's better than the alternative. We're not getting worse. Yeah, yeah. He says, what I'm actually writing to you about is the pronunciation of my home state. Wow. What state you think it is? Well, I'm going to take a wild guess. Uh, Give me a second here. Do I get a prize if I get it right? Yes, you get it. Do I get a signed copy of my book? You do. All right. I'm going out on a limb, Kevin. Yeah. Oregon. That's it. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Give the man a prize. <laughs> you know how I knew that? Well, you read it. I read the email. <laughs> <laughs> you cheated. You cheated. <laughs> so, as I would say, Oregon... Now, I believe Kevin pronounces it properly. That's because Kevin used to live out there. But Bill does not. As a born and raised Oregonian, the mispronunciation of my beloved home is worse than fingernails on a chalkboard. It's pronounced Oregon, not Oregon, or Ergon, or Ergun. I hope that makes sense. And thanks for the amazing podcast, gentlemen. Jason. <laughs> Great. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. A little jive. Oregon. A little jive by one of the listeners. You know, I mean, we can handle no, it. No, it's fine. Yeah. So, and I, actually, I'll last still, week's I'll episode, still pronounce we were it wrong going into the future, Oregon, though. And you were, you were saying the Blue Mountains of Oregon. And I was like, oh, we're going to get a letter on that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> it was fun. All right, we got a new one coming in. It says, right. Hello, guys, is the message. I found your podcast a few weeks ago and really enjoy it. I'm currently currently working my way through older episodes, and I'm still about a year back to October 2019. He says, My wife. Mrs. H, as she goes by, enjoys listening also while she does her thing around the house. She gets a kick out of the banter between you two, and she thinks that Kevin must have been in the Air Force for all the traveling that he's done in the past. 
Uh-huh. Not in the Air Force. Also, she refuses to look at your photos on the website as she thinks in her mind that Kevin looks like the sidekick guy off the YouTube show Gridlessness. Great. Yeah, perfect. I think that's good. In the uh, link below, <laughs> uh, he is the one wearing the hat when they talk off camera. I looked at the link. He looks a little bit like the guy, uh, the young guy in the uh, gold hunting show on the Discovery Channel. Uh-huh. Yeah. Doesn't look like me. I don't know who that yeah, would be. <laughs> and he said, and Mrs. H thinks that WJ sounds like a larger Danny DeVito, complete with a cigar <laughs> in one hand and a whiskey in the other. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, oh, and he I says, you- so, so who am I to spoil her visual, right? <laughs> and he says, I'm curious as to whether we'll, whether you will be selling T-shirts anytime soon. We are working on it. We're just so darn busy. Um, I apologize. We get a lot of requests for T-shirts and stickers. And he says, as I would be sure to buy one, uh, if they are on your site, then I must be legally blind. Well, good news, James. You're not legally blind. Um, (laughs) Thanks again for the great show. James from the wilds of Utah. There you go. Got hairy man action out there. Yeah, make sure you pronounce Utah right. (laughs) And by the way, James... I'll sell you my T-shirt right now, and I'll autograph it for a hundy. <laughs> it's not a Bigfoot Terry in the Woods T-shirt, James, but so be yeah, careful. It's, a little, it's, a, it's got a little stank to it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. All right, we got one more. All right. This is from John. And he says, greetings. I'm a new listener of your podcast, but not new to the subject of Bigfoot. I've spent a fair amount of time reading and watching and listening to material from other reliable and informed informed sources. So, Bill, I think he says we're reliable and an informed source because he cited other reliable and informed sources. (laughs) I'm going to reach that conclusion. Yeah, yeah. And he says, I would just like to say that I think your podcast has various elements to it that make it very interesting to listen to and entertaining at the same time. Your ability to make people laugh helps take the edge off the seriousness of the subject matter. Some of the real-life stories can definitely make a person do a self-diagnostic reality check. Then there are other times I just want to laugh my butt off when you guys start joking around. All in all, I think you guys have a great program that I very much enjoy listening to. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Keep up the good work. Very interesting stuff. Much better than watching TV. Take care, John. That's good stuff. That's a I'm nice... still laughing at Mrs. H, thinking I look like Danny DeVito. With a cigar and a whiskey. She said, she did say yeah. a bigger version. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny uh, how when people hear a New York accent, uh, they relate to, uh, you know, Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Well, that's uh, it, that's could, where most could people be anybody, hear it, though. But, yeah. Yeah, that's they relate you to a Hollywood character they'd seen. You know? Well, that's I don't know if I ever told you this story, Bill, but my wife and I both uh, both uh, grew up on Long Island with Bill. 
And uh, although my my wife would uh, correct me and tell me she was born in Minnesota, she was raised on Long Island, so she doesn't uh-huh. have a Minnesotan accent. Uh, but uh-huh. we moved out to Arizona when we were first married, and back then was when the movie. Speaking of Fred Gwynn, uh, my cousin Vinny first came out, and uh, I don't know if you ever saw that, Bill, but Fred Gwynn plays the judge in Alabama, and uh, Joe Pesci is uh, the lawyer from New York City who comes down to Alabama to, to uh-huh. try to get his nephew off a falsely accused murder charge. And, I okay. mean, the, the, the New York accents are thick as mud. And uh, my bride and I are laughing like crazy sitting in this movie theater in Phoenix, Arizona. But like a lot of other folks there didn't realize how funny it was. You know, like, I mean, they knew the movie was funny, but we were laughing at the accents, especially back then, because it sounded just like us. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> good, good stuff. Though. But, but anyway, that's a long winded story. But they get it. You know, that's how people get it is from Hollywood. If they've yeah, never been yeah, to the indeed. New York metro area. And again, for our listeners, I think a lot of you know it, but Bill and I, uh, of course, grew up in the same house. I moved away many years ago, lived out west in Arizona, Washington State, and I've been in North Carolina for over 20 years. And uh, one of us was raised by a Bigfoot. Um, I won't tell you which one. <laughs> and that, But that's why we sound different, so... Just different, different, living in different places most of our lives. And that's why we eat different food products. Exactly. And some of us sleep in the back of pickup trucks. Just saying. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then I should say, again, for our new listeners, uh, and we live, you know, I live in North Carolina. Bill lives up on Long Island in New York. And that's part of why we love doing this podcast is that we spend a good amount of time every week on Skype recording the podcast together from 650 miles away. So it's kind of kind of cool for us and fun for you, hopefully, too. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And, uh, Kev, you know, I, I was thinking about Jackie Gleason. Remember Jackie oh, Gleason? Why I order! So, yeah, and he used to do the Honeymooners show, but then he did that live gig out of uh, Miami Beach, Florida. You remember oh, yeah. that? yeah. Uh, Jackie used to come out at the end of the show with a glass of whiskey and a cigarette out onto the stage, and he would say, the Miami Beach audience is the greatest audience in the world. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) And I was thinking, you know something? We got a great audience. We do have a great audience. The Bigfoot Terror in the Woods audience is the greatest audience in the world i agree with you bill it keeps it keeps us going too folks so uh i won't give you the pitch for the five-star review this week we're running long and i do want to thank you though just for being a great audience i mean it's uh uh it, it bill and i love hearing from you and uh it really is a shot in our arm you know we're living in this crazy world this crazy covid world with all of you, it looks like things are getting worse right now as we start to head into the shorter and colder days. So most importantly, all of you be super careful and take care of yourselves. Yeah, that about does it. And as we part ways for what is another spectacular episode, may I remind you, if you find yourself walking through the woods in Michigan, remember... 
always carry more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight. Oh.